so much for listening. Hopefully you've been enjoying all the content I've been putting out. Uh, for those of you who have been longtime fans, um, I've been running out of space, so I've been um, going through my back catalog and kind of re-editing and putting them on YouTube so I can free up some space on my main podcast page. So if there is an old episode uh, that you liked and you can no longer find it, you can find it at Scott Stemmon Ministries. Just do a search for that on YouTube and you can find all my podcasts there. But today we're going to be talking about evangelism, kind of uh, – a good topic as far as within the church, especially now in this uh, COVID world, you know, a lot of people are trying to figure out um, how to do evangelism during a pandemic and kind of redefining it. So joining me today is Tom Stewart. Uh, Tom Stewart is a graduate from Bowling Green University. Uh, he has a uh, degree in education, but um, he's still a teacher now, but he is actually a uh, college missionary in Toledo at a a church called H2O Toledo. Uh, so Tom, thank you for joining me on this podcast. Pleasure to be here, my friend. Thank you. So Tom, uh, when I say evangelism, how would you define that? So I would say evangelism is any action that broadens the family of God. I know that's like a really um, wide, like broad definition. Uh, but I think a lot of times when people say evangelism, the first thing that comes to mind is like walking out on the street, doing cold calls to people and just start talking about Jesus with them. And it's like you're trying to arm wrestle this conversation that ends with a prayer and then they walk away and just they are suddenly living their life with Jesus. Um, and I think that there is some of that that works, but I don't think that's the, uh, what I'd say, like a biblical model that I see for evangelism um so i just say evangelism anything that people do to broaden or widen the family of god yeah and i think that's a i think that's kind of a very broad but even even in some ways it's a very specific definition too you know when i think about you know when i think about acts 1 8 you know to proclaim the gospel you know to within your city, outer communities to the ends of the earth, and even the Great Commission, you know, you think about those verses, and really it's about communicating the good news of Jesus Christ to everybody, whether that's uh, kind of like what you said, you know, talking to people on the street and praying with them, or maybe it could be, you know, helping out and talking to people while you're serving them food at a soup kitchen, um, so, you know, there's a lot of broadness, but I think that's a very good definition as far as, you know, expanding, you know, and I think that's kind of a key thing. So, and what you have, what you do, because again, you're kind of a college missionary at H2O, what are some ways that you guys have been evangelizing within the community of Toledo or even in the past when you were over at Bowling Green um, with H2O over there? Yeah, so uh, I, w I work in college ministry. That's kind of like my, my niche. Um, but I also, I, I think like basically everything we as Christians do ought to be evangelistically motivated. So the the, the ministry task that I do is I, I go on campus and I meet people and um, I meet students. And then we just talk to students and have conversations. And um, we kind of try to leverage our lives into their lives where it's not, it's not like we're pacing the campus, uh, accosting people as they're eating lunch and ripping headphones out and saying, like, have you heard about Jesus? Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's more like showing people how to live for Jesus. I think 
if Jesus could come back right now and see what we think about evangelism, I think he'd be so sad because those, those uh, analogies that he gives for the kingdom of God, he, he never says the kingdom of God is communicating information about Jesus. What he says is the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. You plant it and then it just starts multiplying or it's like yeast. You get a little bit of yeast. It's like a, a, a bacterial infection that works its way through the rest of the dough. Um, where it's like an organic growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that we've, we've tried to put evangelism in like this really tight uh, communication box and, and kind of like absolved ourselves from the responsibility to live in a way that just proclaims Jesus with every action in, in our lives. And so I, I try to think about evangelism as um, what am I doing with my neighbors? How am I showing love to my neighbors? What am I doing with the kids in my classroom? How am I showing love to the kids in my classroom? Uh, all those students that we meet with at uh, BG and UT, uh, how do we teach them to leverage their lives to love the people that, that they're living with? And so evangelism looks different at different stages of your life. I'm a teacher. I spend 40 hours a week in a classroom. Um, so the majority of my time is going to kind of invest in developing and building those connections and relationships with my students. So they can see I'm a teacher who, one, cares about them. Two, I'm working for their benefit not with my own selfish desires at heart and three, that everything I do is motivated out of love toward them. But when I was at BG, I would just uh, hang an Xbox controller outside my dorm room and leave it open. And then anyone could just walk in, pick up the controller and we would just start playing Halo together. That was like mm-hmm. the best evangelism I think I could do at that time. Yeah. Um, it was just being with people. Yeah. So, so I guess kind of, you know, so when I hear what you're saying, it seems like, you know, evangelism, there's almost kind of like this, there's almost like this pendulum where it's about information and then there's relationship. And, you know, a lot of times when I think about American, American religious history, you know, when you think about the first great awakening, Jonathan Edwards preaching from the pulpit, and from, you know, reading his books, just reading notes and three hours of him just talking about Jesus, talking about eternity, why we should be saved, mm-hmm. why that's important, you know, sinners in the hands of an angry God. So when you hear that and there's this great movement of people giving their lives to Christ and people are crying and all he's doing is spouting information, you kind of see like, okay, all right, in, in that time, in that thing, that was the thing where now you're kind of seeing like if I – spoke and spoke for three hours on why people should be saved. I mean, people get bored, you know, and not necessarily because I'm a boring speaker, or at least I hope I'm not a boring speaker, <laughs> but because I think we have our culture, we have went so far away that it's, it has to be, it's either all information or like, you know, again, like I went to go return a red box movie and I couldn't because there was a card stuck in something. So I'm like, what's this? And I pulled it out and it was a track about making sure I'm saved. Jesus is coming back soon. And I mean, I threw it in the trash can because uh, no one needs that. Um, right. and not necessarily they don't need <laughs> Jesus, but it was like, it was very judgy. Like here's the information you need to go. Jesus, if you don't, then, you know, you know, you're going to hell. Bye. Yeah, it's you like, know, kind of like, like <laughs> t- t- turn to burn. You better get sanctified. Or you're going to get chicken fried. Yeah, uh, <laughs> sanctified uh, and chicken fried. All right. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I think, and I mean, I know you said earlier in this podcast talking about how like sometimes, you know, it's about going up, talking to people about Jesus and it's that uncomfortable 
niche. And I mean, I recently, I wouldn't say recently, it's probably been 10 years, but I read a book by Doug Pollock called uh, God Space, which talked about how do you have those conversations with Jesus naturally? And a lot of times it was just like building relationships. But I mean, there was some evangelistic strategy. You know, someone could be talking about something, goes, well, hey, you know, hey, you know, did you know that the Bible talks about that? Here, let's, why don't we read it together? So, you know, there was something he would do, which, but it, it, again, it, it start with the relationship and the connection before the information hit, where I think yeah, hundred hundreds of years ago, it was, I'm going to give you information. And now after you say get saved, then hopefully there's going to be some relationship aspect, which I think that in, you know, preaching out in fields and tents, you know, where is the discipleship aspect of that? And I think even especially what we, maybe what we have seen, especially being in camp ministry and working together, you know, there's times where summer camps are purely evangelistic, but the other question is, is where is the discipleship? And usually we always say discipleship should happen back in their churches with their youth pastors, but sometimes that doesn't happen. And I think so, you know, when it comes to that regard with building relationships, like where are some ways that we see, or maybe you have seen within your church circles or your experience talking with other uh, leaders in the church where they're kind of falling short of that concept of evangelism and really proclaiming Jesus and kind of living, living that out. Yeah, I, I think we've lost um, maybe, maybe in two, in two categories. One, I think as Christians, we've kind of lost the uh, moral high ground in society, so to speak. Like you talked about the Great Awakening, like those John Edwards times, the church was like the, the center of morality. Um, and at some point, we just kind of like, uh, I don't know, stopped being sensitive to what people were thinking and caring about. And um, we just started telling them they should stop sinning. And we tried to like oh, re- replace our uh, connection with God with just, like doing right things. And so uh, the church has like really taken firm stances against uh, homosexuality against, um, I mean, you, you name it, there's probably been a church that's, that's been against it. Um, and we've like really kind of shifted from the center of, of love, which is like what Jesus said should mark the community of believers. So I think like we just kind of lost um, credibility almost when, when the church takes firm stances against, sin without caring about uh loving people um and the second one i think was uh in addition to just not being sensitive to people and losing the moral high ground um i think we just kind of like lost a love for for people um Hmm. uh, that's that's nothing to admit but i think that the church itself has done an awful terrible job of being compassionate and loving and gracious. And uh, people see through that. People see that hypocrisy and it makes evangelism hard because if people see a Christian, they no longer think, oh, this is a morally upright person. They think, oh, you're the one that uh, hates gays. And like, that's, that's just, it's not the real message of Christ. So we've kind of shifted our message away from, look what Jesus did for you. Um, I think about that, that sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. I want to like rewrite that uh, as like sinners in the hands of a, of a loving God. I think it sends, it sends the wrong message. It's like Christianity is about not going to hell instead of Christianity. It's about living in a way that is loving. I'm like, that's, uh, yeah. well, I, and I think, I think, and I, and I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, or maybe I'll have to do some research and, 
but I think there was actually a sermon that Jonathan Edwards talked at. It was like sinners in the hands of a loving God. So there was that message. And then there was the sinners in the hands of an angry God. And it was right. And I, but I think a lot of times we focused on the hell part, which again, goes back to your second point that I think as Christians, we've kind of, we're very bad at loving people and we're more focused on hell than focusing on grace and mercy. Um, And, and, and I think, you know, when we talk about, and I mean, I've heard, I've had, you know, I think what I've seen, especially in the modern church today is there's been this big push of God loves you to the point where it's like, God loves you wherever you are, whatever you've done, God loves you. And God just loves you for you. Okay. And some of the criticism I always hear about that on the other side of that is, well, yeah, God loves me, but if I'm still going around and let's say if I'm still going around in beating my wife or I'm going around and kicking puppies on the streets or I'm going around <laughs> and, or I'm going around and doing all these horrible things. And yet I'm just saying, well, God loves me just the way I am. And if I'm a horrible person, then where, so then there's always the rebuke of, well, the whole God loves you movement. Where is the rebuking? Where's the, the correcting? Right. And I think, and I think, so go ahead, Tom. Um, I think that that faith of come pray this prayer or you're going to hell. Uh, and I, I say this from a place where like, that's how I started my relationship with Jesus. It wasn't a camp where I go, but it was a different camp. The preacher who I think ended up getting arrested for pedophilia, uh, preached a sermon that was like, uh, pray this prayer after me or you're going to hell. And then he followed it up with a, like actual poster presentation of a girl named Susie. I can't even make this stuff up, I swear. <laughs> okay. A girl named Susie who uh, she was listening to this message, sitting in church, wanted to pray this prayer, but thought, oh, I'll do it later. And then she went on a boat ride and her boat tipped over and Susie got eaten by a shark and then went to hell. And then after that message, the preacher was like, hey, so if you want to come pray this prayer and not go to hell, then come do that right now. And I was like, well, crap, man, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go on a boat ride and have my boat get eaten by a shark and go to hell. Like I better come pray this prayer. So I like, just, this preacher like literally scared the hell out of me. Um, so I think like that, that style of faith where it's like pray this prayer or go to hell, that is absolutely not compelling. And so when we look at uh, these emotional commitments that we saw students make uh, in high school, some of them stuck. It was deeply rooted and they're willing to stick it out. But some of them did stick and they go back and they don't get discipled and they don't they have questions of faith that aren't, aren't answered well or uh, aren't addressed. And so like this big mi- missing piece in our evangelism should be like, hey, life isn't going to be better someday because we die and go to heaven. Life is better now. Like living like this right now is restorative. Like living this, this life like Jesus is a better, more satisfying life than uh, than our life was before Jesus because we're living selflessly, because we're giving our lives, and because our lives aren't based on how much money we can accumulate or how satisfied we can make ourselves. It's based on how much we can give away, how much of our time we can give away, how much of our service. How can we seek to restore the broken things in this world right now? We're not just waiting around for heaven. We are actively involved in bringing that kingdom here to earth, and that's a compelling faith. That, that's a faith I can get behind, and it's a, a lot more sticking power, I think, than and pray this prayer or you're going to get eaten by a shark. And yeah. And, and, and even, and even with that, even just looking at 
Jesus's prayer, the Lord's prayer, never once in that prayer does he talk about, you know, be saved or perish, you know? I think he talks about, I mean, he'll talk about stuff like that later, and even the apostles will talk about that stuff later. But when, but I mean, I think the key thing is let's give praise to God and let's make his kingdom, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, you know, and I think that's kind of a big thing about, you know, if we are going to be called, and I like to use the term kingdom people, if we are going to be, say we are kingdom people, then it's not as, I mean, again, Jesus is the one who establishes the kingdom. I'm just trying to make people come to the kingdom. I'm trying to make people become citizens of the kingdom. And if you I say citizens of the kingdom, princes or princesses, because we're, we, you know, we're part of a royal priesthood, whatever terminology we want to use. The fact is, is yeah. if I want people to join my kingdom, I don't want to, I want it to come, hey, join my kingdom because Jesus is sufficient. Jesus is enough. And being part of the body of being a part of a loving, and again, it goes back to loving, being part of a loving body where we have people who can bear one another's burdens as we're fulfilling the law of Christ, that we are not judging because the only person who can judge is God. Yet, even if you, my brother or sister are sin, you know, let me rebuke them gently so that they can come back into the fold. You know, that thing that, you know, so for me, it's like there is a model of what it means to be a kingdom person and what as kingdom people, what we are supposed to do and never in that model, at least I feel has never been about you need to come, you need to get inside the castle or hellfire is going to fall down and blow you up. You know, like to me, that's because then again, I'm only joining part of the kingdom because I'm afraid. I'm only joining part of the kingdom because I want to go to heaven. It's not, I want to join the kingdom because I want to be a citizen. I want to be an ambassador. I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus so that because I gave my life to Christ, because I am transformed by his Holy spirit and by the power of his blood, then that's going to enable me to go and do likewise. Yes. Because the other kind of faith, uh, pray after me or go to hell faith will lead you to a life that kicks your feet up on the couch, puts your hands behind your head and goes, oh, damn, the, the community, the world is so bad. I just can't wait for Jesus to come back and make it all better. And you got your feet on the couch, and you're not putting your hands, uh, picking your hands up and getting your feet up and going to actually be the hands and feet of Christ. It, it means it's – and that's why I think we've gotten to this point where Christians are not concerned about the environment. But they're like, oh, well, the earth's going to pass away, so, you know, who gives a hell – what, what the hell it matters if I yeah. uh, take care of it or not, um, where Christians just feel like this permission to be passive in society and like let the world go to hell because, you know, God's going to come back and make it all better. We are the body of Christ. We're the hands and feet. We're the ones now who are going out. Jesus said we're going to do greater things than he did because now there's hopefully 1.2 billion of us who are all putting others above ourselves, loving our neighbor like ourselves. Um, where we're not on the couch with our hands up wondering when Jesus is going to come back. We're out there doing the things that Jesus would do to bring restoration to our society right now. Yeah. And, and even with that, I feel like where churches have kind of missed the mark and maybe, and I don't know if you've experienced this because I feel like this is, I don't want to say this is a new phenomenon because growing up in church, I never experienced this, but I definitely have experienced ever since 
I graduated seminary, got ordained, and started actually being a pastor, where it seems like evangelism has turned into more of marketing and fundraising in the way of come, you know, we have this event, please come to our event. You're going to have a great meal. You're going to see how wonderful our our church is. And by church, not necessarily how wonderful the people are, because that is one aspect of it, but how beautiful our facility is. Mm-hmm. You know, whether, whether, you're in a, whether you're in a tiny little church or whether you're in a big mega church, you know, it's like this is something you can be a part of. Wouldn't it be great to sit in these – I'm going to be very (laughs) – I'm going to be very jerky here. Please come and sit in our nice movie theater reclining chairs while you get to hear the word (laughs) of God. Or here, have be in this smaller church about 50 where we're really pray for one another. We're really gathering together, you know, and and not necessarily that big church, small church. You know, there's pros and cons to – different sized churches. And obviously that's a conversation for another day. But when it comes to evangelism, sometimes I feel like that's missing the mark. I feel like sometimes it's always about let's get people in and not necessarily let's get people in so people can be saved. I feel like evangelism in a modern way has go, let's get people in so they can become members so we can have, so our numbers look good. So there's more money being given to the church so we can pay our bills. We can pay our staff and, and, and even have more money so we can then do bigger ministry. But I feel like when right. I go to a, and again, me, removing myself from a pastoral role, if I was just a regular Joe going to church, one of the things that I'm going to be curious about is, okay, what are you doing to reach the loss? If I have that mindset, you know, some people, you know, there may be some people who they want to go because all they want to hear is the word of God being preached, the the true word of God, because most churches aren't preaching the true mm. word of God, which usually to me, right. that translates to, I don't like the way the preacher was preaching. So I'm going somewhere else. Or I don't like the music yeah, right. that, or I don't like the music style that's happening at church. So I'm going to go somewhere else because quote unquote, I'm not being fed. And then that's it. But, but kind of going back, but I feel like that's kind of where I think, uh, um, and again, American, and I'm not going to say all of it, because I don't know if that's happening in Uganda or Germany, because it feels like anytime I read missionary reports, I don't, the stuff we're doing for evangelism, the stuff they're being doing for evangelism is night and day. Um, At least that's what I feel like. Is that what you feel like from your, from what you're seeing, Tom? Yeah. Oh yeah. I think that, uh, Event-driven evangelism. Well, I don't think it's very effective. I don't think there's been a lot of people who have come to a big church event and then heard the message. I mean, I, I, I'm sure it happens sometimes. Like, I think I think there's a a role and a space for all the different kinds of evangelism. But I think that a lot of times we as Christians, especially maybe even myself, um, kind of like absolve ourselves of the ability to uh, just go be a restoring force in our community and our work and our uh homes and our communities our neighborhoods with our neighbors like we just kind of uh look at those you know outreach events at our church as like the locus the center of evangelism instead of like us doing the legwork every day 24 7 with how we live our lives and and the community the uh, communication that we have with the people in our lives and the the warmth that people can feel from us i think those two things uh what we say and how we behave to our people 
do a lot more for our evangelism than uh, those church fundraisers. Yeah. And I think even, even going about what we say and what we behave, I think that those are key. I also think what's ever, what's key too is, you know, let's say for an example, you know, you and me are together and let's say we have a disagreement about something. I don't know. And let's say I get really mad and I say some really jerky things to you that really just, you know, hurt you. Okay. And then I go back home and I'm like, Oh, you know what? I really shouldn't have said that. You know, I'm having my time of prayer and I'm like, man, you know, I really said some mean things to Tom. And then I go back, I say, Hey dude, you know what? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have talked to you like that. And, and, you know, and, and I mean, I think that's always the big thing. Like even when it comes to behavior, it's not necessarily, I said something or I did something that hurts you that that's key, but it's how do I respond to that afterwards? Is there like, okay, I need to go and reconcile, you know, like, like Jesus says, like, do not be angry with your brother. If you know that someone's angry with you, go to them, reconcile with them. Uh, So I mean, or, or even like the same time, like if I'm rebuking you, there's a different way between me saying, Hey Tom, can I talk to you for a second? And we have this conversation say, Hey man, I noticed some things that, are not really Christ-like about you. I just want to kind of talk about it. And not necessarily as a judge, but I want to see what's going on. Is there any way I can help? I want to make sure that you're the best reflection of Jesus that you can be versus I'm putting you on blast on Facebook for everybody to see, which I've seen that. I mean, I've seen that times where pastors have said something to parishioners that may have posted something that was in ill-advised. And instead of doing it in a DM or doing it in person, they put them right there on their page. And then it's just like, and it just becomes a ripple effect. And, and I feel like, you know, again, it goes back to what you said earlier, you know, Christians, we do a horrible job of loving each other. Yeah. And again, yeah. if, if, the, if Christianity is supposed to be where it once was in America, which was kind of this moral center where people, when people saw a Christian, they didn't necessarily see us as a, I mean, maybe they saw us as goody two shoes. Maybe they saw us as Jesus freaks. Go, buddy. <laughs> yeah, buddy, it's right over there. You can go and play. Sorry, we will edit this out. My son got it from his nap. Cool. <laughs> so, um, so I have to remember this. This is like going to be in the podcast. It's going to be very weird. Um, but one of the things I think is key is when we're doing that thing, the thing that I think that upsets us the most or upsets me the most is like you said you're they're saying they're claiming they're christians they're claiming that they believe the bible that they read the bible that they live out the bible but what i'm seeing not only in a physical space but even in the digital space is not true so when so then when that goes back to evangelism if i am evangelizing and people are seeing, here I am going to tell you about Jesus, but then you saw that I was posting horrible, mean, or fighting with people or posting mean memes on Facebook, then people are not going to see that my evangelism is genuine. Right. And I, I think, like, man, Christmas, like, we're all, gonna, we're all gonna mess up. We're gonna do terrible jobs at a lot of things that we do in our lives. Um, but I, I'm seeing it specifically right now, and this might be, I'll take it too far, maybe put an E on your podcast for this, because this might get explicit here, uh, with the, the political allegiance to certain policies 
that I think are, are pretty obviously um, maybe racist or at least just insensitive uh, toward people. There's, there's like a, a political tone that's not very loving or compassionate and uh, Christians are okay with certain politicians having uh, insensitive political tones or even racist, like overtly racist um, Twitter posts. And they're, they're not backing down from their support from this, uh, politi- from these politicians. Or that, that, that makes evangelism even harder because like, why would, why would anyone want to join a community that is racist? Like, why would, that, that's not, and, uh, yeah. And, and I think, and I think like, and I think that's kind of a key thing because, you know, I, I was reading, I mean, I posted this on my podcast recently, probably like, I think it's episode 99, where there's an article by Gen Medium that came out and it was a talk, it was a focus on some women within churches that grew up in very conservative circles. Um, and not only are they leaving those conservative circles, you know, like, like the pol- political side, but with that connection, they are also leaving churches. Yeah. Because, and I mean, that's the thing, like, and I know probably Nick Krieger and I are just going to probably talk about more of that in depth. But yeah, I mean, I think what makes evangelism hard is like, even when I say I'm a Christian, people automatically assume that yep. I am this, I'm, I'm either a Republican or I'm a Democrat, depending on what region I am or wherever there's a big thing, or that I'm in support of certain individuals' policies that are deemed insensitive. And, that's the thing. And I feel like, you know, and I've always been a big, and I know I've been criticized being told that, well, you know, Christians should be political. Christians should be involved in politics. And I kind of say, yeah, to an extent, but the problem I've had and the problem I've seen, I've been saying this for years is that when we start, when the church starts aligning itself with political affiliations, when we are promoting stuff within the church that obviously has political condensations on both sides of the spectrum, then we're not being kingdom people. Right. Because, you know, and I mean, and even, cause even like, I mean, whether, you know, there's some policies on both sides where I'm just like, that's a little bit insensitive. I don't think that's right. That's definitely not kingdom. But at the same time, I can I can differentiate my political self and my spiritual self. You know, and I, even yeah. when I'm proclaiming from, if I'm proclaiming from the pulpit, I'm not going to go tell people you need to vote for this or going to say we need to push this for this political issue because for me, I feel like that is not the role of me as a Christian leader. My role is to make disciples to be kingdom people. Right. And, and, and for so that they can go and make disciples for their neighbors, their friends, the strangers that they're coming into can be kingdom people. And there's no fundraising attached to that. There's no political affiliation attached to that. There's no building attached to that. It is just like you said earlier, it is about genuine, authentic relationships. Absolutely. And, and I'm going to proclaim the gospel to you, not because I, you're a number or you're a statistic or I want you to join my club. I want you to become a Christian or a kingdom person because I value you 
I care for you, and I want you to be part of the kingdom. And I believe when you do that, that's where I believe transformation happens. That's where I believe that people who struggle with sin in their lives, they can be transformed and freed from that because you're with people who have had transformative experiences in Jesus. And not only that, because they're living it out. Because there's a difference between me saying I'm a Christian, like you said, I'm a Christian, and that means I'm my body's my everything about me is clean. So now I'm just waiting until I die, or I'm waiting for Jesus to come back. But any type of going and making disciples that no longer applies to me because I've been saved. But that's definitely not the Book of Acts. That's definitely not Paul's epistles. That's even not even the book of Revelation, if we want to read that in context or not. Even in then, you see not only the good churches and a criticism of the church, but it's about being bold and continuing to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ during great turmoil. Or at least that's how I'm interpreting it. But who knows? Maybe I'm the idiot. I don't know anything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I think you're on the money with that one. Okay. Thank you, Tom. I'm, at least I'm hearing some people agree with me. That's good. Um, so, so I, oh, go ahead. Uh, I, I think there's like three aspects of what I'd say like good evangelism is. Okay. Because, and, and we have to be always considering that people have a context that they're coming from. So people, like you said, uh, when we talk about being a Christian, that's already conjure up an image, good or bad, probably mostly bad in this climate right now, of what a Christian is. So we have to be sensitive in uh, when we approach someone, even in any relationship, they're going to have some baggage, probably bad, maybe good, but probably bad, attached to what it means when we say, hey, I'm, I'm, not, I'm a Christian. Um, so I think there's like three things. Usually when we talk about evangelism as a church, we go right to the last one, which is clear communication. You have to know how to communicate the gospel. Um, And I can talk about that here in a second, but I think there's two other big pieces that we really miss as um, when we talk about evangelism. The first one would be high potency. Like we have to be high potency Christians. Like we need to be deeply connected with the father, not some superficial high morality kind of like, Oh, I don't sin very much. Therefore I'm high potency. I mean, someone who's like intimately acquainted with their father on a regular basis. Um, so we absolutely can't take that piece out of being having a good, strong connection where we're pursuing God a lot. The second one is uh, close quarters. We need to be in relationships, not just like people have our, as pet projects where we're trying to make this person a Christian now, and they're my one person that I'm working on right now. They're my, they're my project. I mean, just like developing good, normal, organic friendships with people who don't love Jesus. Uh, and that has to be like a normal pattern of our lives to have people sitting at our tables, not now in the coronavirus world, but uh, <laughs> pre and post coronavirus, uh, sitting around our tables, sharing meals, drinking beers on our porch, or coffee if you're a Baptist on our porch, um, having conversations about what it means to follow Jesus. Those two things, you cannot take them out of the equation. High potency, close quarters, and only then do we even have the ability to actually speak and use a clear communication about what the gospel is. And so I think that we have to end this uh, evangelism training thing of teaching people to write Bible verses upside down in their Bible so that when someone asks them what it means to be a Christian, they can walk them through five verses. I think, like, again, there's a time and place for that. That is, has been effective for some people. 
but the majority of the growth that I see in my, at least in, at my church at H2O Toledo is people having good relationships with their roommates, with their classmates, with people that they know from, from back home and using those already established relationships, those uh, close quarters contacts with people who don't love Jesus, leveraging those conversations toward a better life. And again, we have to be convinced that the way we live isn't just better because we're going to heaven someday. We have to be convinced that the way we live right now is better because it's restorative in our community, um, because we are bringing life to the people around us. And I think like when you have those, th- those three things all firing on all cylinders, that's when you're really going to see like effective evangelism. Yeah. And, and I agree. And I mean, and I, even when I think about some of the evangelistic work I've done here in Stanton, Virginia, you know, I can, ta- I can count on two things. Uh, first thing was, you know, again, like I'm a gamer. I love playing games. I stream yeah. on Twitch. So one of my big things was, you know, and I'm involved with extra life, you know, raising money for children's hospital. So we've, I mean, I've done stream stuff, which, you know, I'm still getting, I'm still not, I mean, I think now last time I checked, I have like almost 31 followers. So I'm, I'm getting there. It's taken a while, but I mean, but you're playing old games. So no one, that's really not a market. If I was playing Fortnite, maybe I'd have like a million, but I don't really (laughs) play Fortnite that much. Uh, But you know, but then it was like, well, let's do board games because I know that's something that I like to do. Or so we did board games, and I built relationships with people, small businesses in my community, and even with another group that's been teaching using gaming as a way of teaching teamwork and good values. That's in this called Greater Good Gaming here in Stanton, and we were able to raise a thousand dollars. Now, I mean, was I were people going getting on their knees and? Um, Given their lives to Jesus? No. But what it had done is it had broken down the wall of stereotypes that Christians are judgmental. They only care about themselves. They don't care about community. Like yep. that broke down that wall. And I feel like that was a huge hurdle. The other thing was when I was preaching in bars uh, through a theology and tap event and doing that and building relationships with the bar owners and the bartenders. And even though, you know, even though, and even, even where there's been some homeless people that have come in and we've taken care of them. Um, even I built re- good yeah. relationships with the Catholic church. Cause we had a lot of Catholics coming to the event and here I am a Protestant preaching Protestant theology. And I had some <laughs> people who were like, Hey, you know, in, in Catholics, this is what we believe. And we kind of had that interesting dialogue about, you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, well, that's absolutely fantastic. I love this dialogue that we're having from different denominations. And, and again, I feel like that's building, that's kingdom work. That's being a kingdom, whether you're Protestant, Catholic, yeah. Baptist, church of God, you're really seeing it, it. Those things may be kind of identifiers, but really it's about being kingdom people. And if it's about Jesus yeah. and about his word, you know, all that other stuff, while I'm not going to say it's not important, it's just junk. There is some importance to theology and having certain doctrinal statements and statements of beliefs, but at the core foundation, it's about Jesus. It's about God. It's about the Holy spirit. It's about being missional. It's about everything. So once that connection happens, then you really start seeing the kingdom build. And really, I think, and maybe I'm crazy and you can tell me I'm crazy, but I believe if Christians can get back to being kingdom people, legit kingdom people, like you said, you know, potency, you know, being legit Christians, legit followers, yep. legit kingdom people, we're loving 
and evangelism's all about, not about, I want to make sure that person goes to heaven, but I want to make sure this person's part of the kingdom. And then, you know, in heaven, I think heaven's kind of that extra. I, I feel like, you know, being part of the kingdom's like having a feast and heaven's the dessert. Yeah. And maybe, and maybe that's really watering it down too much. I mean, <laughs> that's a bad analogy. Please don't quote me on this. Anybody's listening, <laughs> but I don't want it to be heaven's the dessert. Like heaven's the main feast. And once I'm done eating the main course and that's it, I get here's, yeah. the, here's, here's what means to eat Jesus. I devour it. And now I'm done for me. It's about, okay, now I'm going back in the kitchen. I'm making food. I'm now serving. I'm now bringing out you know i went to i've eaten from the table of jesus now i'm trying to bring people to the table so they can eat the same delicious meal that i've had maybe that was a better analogy yeah okay. i just so, i just cooked so i just cooked so food's on my mind i do apologize <laughs> here's the thing about this a lot of times this is a tim mackey thing i'm a humongous tim mackey fan okay uh, he's the guy who does the bible project yeah i'm, I'm like he's, he's like biggest fan um i saw almost give a, a lecture on heaven and just to summarize that really quick, he says, um, we think about heaven as like this place where our disembodied souls go after we die. They either go to heaven or hell. But like in the Bible, the word pairing there, if, 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 if I say like, stop, the word pair would be go. Um, the word pair there in the Bible isn't heaven and hell. The word pair is heaven and earth. It's like we in our sin have unleashed hell on earth. And so what God's going to do is fully expel that hell from the earth. So we're kind of like waiting not to go to some new perfect location. It's like, oh, we spilled milk on this one. It's messed up. Like we need to go to get, go to a new place. It's like God's just going to expel the hell out. And so our job now as Christians is to start that, that process of restoring, like bringing heaven principles back to earth um, to kind of like get a head start on that uh, expelling process. Um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but that's that's like how I think about hmm. heaven and earth. And again, that's that's a much more compelling theology to me than waiting around until we die and someplace. But that's that's now giving my life purpose to oh, I know where I was going with that to make my life in whatever capacity I find myself in. As a husband, as a dad, I'm a foster dad, as a, a teacher, as a pastor, as a friend, as a person, as a neighbor to restore all those relationships and leverage them toward love. So I'll just give you, and again, it's going to look super different no matter who you are, whatever your job is, like it's going to look different. But in my classroom, I try to make the most equitable class I could possibly make where I treat all my kids with absolute love and compassion. I try to never, ever raise my voice or yell. I think there's some like unfair teaching practices, like using points um, that are uh, more like behavioral. And so I've, I've changed the way I grade because I'm a Christian um, where the way I grade lets you mess up as many times as you want. And if you show me at the end that you've learned it, you convince me you've learned it, you get credit for it. So I know that's like a weird thing, but I thought like, man, Jesus was in my classroom. He wouldn't just give my kids one test to show that they've learned. Like if Jesus was a teacher, he would give kids an infinite number of options, forgive them if they screw them up. And then, if they show they learned it, he would give them credit. So that's, that's how I grade. Um, even down to like my examples, I want to start uh, using examples like a, pe- a person of the day. And usually a person of the day would be like a white male. And some of them will because, you know, Dmitry Mendeleev was important in a ninth grade science class. But I want to start using 
uh, like people of color, indigenous people, like great minds who are often kind of like swept aside and uh, as examples. I even want, I, I want to just try to restore every aspect of my classroom. Um, I'm like kind of a foster dad too. So I'm like, I'm kind of like working on uh, kids whose lives are a mess and like trying to just like take care of them, protect them while their parents are getting elected. So I, I just think like to land that plane, um, it looks, evangelism starts by us looking like a restorative force in every aspect or arena of our life. All right. Well, thank you, Tom. Definitely great information. I think this is something that a lot of us can learn. I mean, I've learned from you and obviously, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of on the same page as far as, you know, what evangelism is and how we need to achieve that. And I think it's kind of, um, yeah, I think it's very important that that's the goal we want to work towards. Like it's not about, and I think, you know, I think again, you know, when we look at evangelism, there's a difference between, okay, I'm ready to go. So I'm going to sit back and wait for me to go to a place versus, okay, I'm ready to go to, to be, you know, to kind of usher in transformation through the power of the Holy spirit as the spirit's empowering me. Yeah. I'm now going to empower others to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. Those are two yeah. different, same word. Let's go, but two different models of it. Um, one of those to me is attractive. One of those to me is not, I think mm-hmm. the go to heaven. That's not compelling. Uh, I mean, I think it's true. I think we are going to go to heaven. Um, but I think it's not like compelling because it's still like selfishly motivated Whereas uh, let's be a selfless, loving force everywhere. Um, that's, that's compelling. Yeah. I think that's a more satisfying way to live. All right, cool. All right, well, good. And Tom, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Uh, Tom, is there a website that people can check out your church in case if there's anyone in the area, in the Toledo area, who may be interested in H2O? Is there a site or Facebook group that they can meet to kind of connect with yep. you and that? Can you give that information? Yep, that's uh, h2otoledo.org. And right. so there's a, there's a whole network of college churches. I want to just play that real quick. There's a whole network of college churches, mostly in the Ohio area, but in other parts of the country too, uh, called, uh, it's the H2O Network. So I mentioned I came from Bowling Green, there's a church there. There, are, I think is eight now in Ohio. Um, there's Bowling Green, Toledo, Kent State, Akron, uh, Ohio State, uh uc i'm probably forgetting some and i know there's going to be one at ohio university within the next couple of years too so uh if you're going to a college in ohio at a major school odds are there's a good um h2o church that's already there all right all right and again tom thank you for being on the show everybody thank you for listening Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this podcast feel free to like share and subscribe also if you are reviewing this please give us five stars that really helps us uh to kind of make the podcast better and i say us basically i mean me (laughs) or at least you know what type of guests do you like to have on there what type of conversations you want to hear so guys thank you so much for listening Uh, i should be back on soon with another podcast and i hope you guys have a good rest of your week talk to you later bye